believers with you across Rock Hill and across South Carolina in this United States. God, we pray that your spirit, dear Lord, that he would visit us and mingle with us again today in this service. And God, that you would bless us and that you would transform our lives. And God, as we join this, dear Lord, together in community of believers, God, that you would receive our worship and our praise to you as a sweet incense. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let us stand this morning. I'm going to read from you uh, Psalms from Psalms 18. It says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. And my place of safety, I call on you who is worthy of praise. And he saved me from my enemies. So this morning we call upon him, the one that is worthy of our praise. We call upon him as we worship him today. I pray that he would receive our words and our songs this morning as a sweet incense unto him. And as you sing these words this morning, I would ask that you would think about his praise and about his love and mercy that he poured out upon you and relinquish the things of this week, the hardship, the stress, the struggles, and let's enter into his place in his time of worship as him, as our one Lord and Savior. And let us sing our praises this morning. In God's house, isn't it? Amen. While we're here to praise Him, give Him praise for what He's done for us. He is worthy of all praise. Amen. All hail King Jesus, all hail Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords. Bright morning star, and throughout eternity, I'll sing his praises, and I'll reign with him throughout eternity. All hail, King Jesus! All hail, Bright morning star, and throughout eternity, I'll sing his praises, and I'll reign with him throughout eternity. Isn't it good to be here to just praise him this morning for what he's done for you and me? We have a God that loves us, folks, and he's here this morning. He was here at 8 o'clock this morning. When I walked through the doors, I felt his presence. And he's here today. He's in this service, too. There's a, we have all kind of things that we could be doing. But I choose to lift him up and praise him for what he's done for us. 
Sing this song with me, would you? Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious God, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living We have a Lord that he's here this morning, and he's here in his presence. And his name is above all names this morning. And I came to praise him and give him praise for what he's done for us. And that's what this song talks about. I will praise him this morning. Amen. Let's lift our voices up and just praise him this morning for what he's done for us. Let's start again. When I saw the cleansing fountain open white for all my sins, I obeyed the Spirit's wooing. When he said, Will thou be clean? Give him praise. I will praise him. I will praise him, praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give him glory, all ye people, for his blood can wash away each stain. Though the way seems straight and narrow, all I claimed was swept away. My ambitions, plans, and wishes at my feet in ashes lay. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners can wash away each stain. You know what that's talking about, don't you? It's talking about lifting him up and praising him. Amen? Next verse says, Then God's fire upon the altar of my heart was set aflame. You know what that's talking? That's meaning he's speaking to us and our heart burns within. Amen? That's what praising is about. Burning within just to praise Him, give Him praise. Amen. Sing it with me. 
Then God's fire upon the altar of my heart was set aflame. I shall never cease to praise Him. Glory, glory to His name. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood can wash away stain. Blessed be the name of Jesus. I'm so glad He took me in. He's forgiven my transgressions. He has cleansed my heart from sin. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood can wash away each thing. Glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give Him glory, all ye people, for His blood can wash away each stain. Aren't you glad that His blood can wash away all the sin from our hearts and all the stains that was there? When I gave my heart to Him over 50-something years or 40 43 years ago, I think is what it is. I had a lot on my plate. <laughs> but he was there when I needed him. And he's here this morning. And his name is wonderful. He is the mighty God. He's the counselor for me and you today. He said, I go to, to my father and I'll sit on the right hand side make intercession for you and me this morning. Sing it with me. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus my Lord. He is the mighty King. Master of everything, his name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages, almighty God is he. Bow down before him, love and adore him. 
His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. You know, it says in the Bible, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. He is. You know, one day, folks, it's going to happen either by my death in the grave or by the the resurrection, I mean, the resurrection of God's people to heaven. What, what better way to go out than just praising Him? That's where I want to be. I want to be in church singing somewhere. When the rapture takes place, oh, they'll, you might find an old coat on the platform, but that's about it. But I'll be gone with Him. His name is wonderful. Amen? Sing it with me. His name is wonderful, His name is wonderful, His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He is the mighty King, Master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is He. Bow down before Him. Love and adore Him. His name is wonderful, Jesus my Lord. We have a God that loves us and He's here this morning. They've tried to get rid of the name of Christ and everything that's going on in this world today. They tried to take him out of schools. They did that. But they can't take him out of our hearts. They can't take him out of our lives. And as long as we continue to praise him and worship him, they can't remove that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name, isn't it? When you can speak the name of Jesus, and the devils will flee. Amen. Sing it with me this morning before we. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain Jesus Jesus oh Jesus 
Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. That name, right? Amen. As we praise and as we worship Him this morning, His name is the name that we call upon. The altar is open if you would like to bring a struggle or a problem or stress or whatever to the altar. It's open for you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come to you right now. And God, we lay our burdens at your feet. And God, as we have been singing these wonderful songs... God, I pray that you have received those words as a sweet incense unto you. Because God, today we give you all of the glory and we give you all of the praise. God, we thank you and we praise you so much. We are thankful for all that you have done for us. And God, I pray, dear Lord, as we call out to you right now, that you would be with each person that is here at the altar that is praying right now. God, those that are in their pews or at home, God, that's calling out to you, that you would hear their cries. But God, I pray, dear Lord, that your spirit, dear Lord, that he would go to each one and that they would feel his presence, dear Lord, in their lives and that they would know that you are already at mo moving on the prayers that they are lifting up right now. Let them feel your love and your mercy, dear Lord. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, you are the one that we call to right now. We call upon the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We call upon Him for the ones that are in the hospital and sick, for the ones that are at home recovering, for those that are in rehab that are recovering. God, we call out to Him, dear Lord, for the ones that are suffering from the loss of a loved one. And God, that Your peace, dear Lord, His peace that passes all understanding would be in their midst right now. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and we praise you. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
though, so they're going to do different this morning. He closed us in singing that song again in the first service. So he's changing things up on me without telling me. But that's okay. That's all right. I'm going to change things up as far as on the message that I preached this morning. This is going to be good for us today. I would love for you to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And we're going to begin or be there from verse 13 all the way down to verse 34. I know that's a long passage of scripture. And I'm not going to try to read it all to you at once. We're going to walk through this particular passage of Scripture. For me today, I thought about this, and I don't know about yours, but there's several different subtitles on this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, And it's the walk to Emmaus or the journey of the two disciples. But either way that you look at this, we are going to take a journey as we walk through this passage of Scripture. And I thought about journey. And whenever I thought about the word journey, how many of you like to take a journey? Raise your hand. Good. There's a lot of people that's raised their hand. I, you know, myself, okay, I love to get out and to walk in nature and go on those walking trails. I, I don't do it as much as I would want to, but I, I do like that. And whenever I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the last trip that I took. Um, I went up and walked the um, the trail at uh, you know at Kings Mountain. What's that battle trail? That yeah, battlefield. Uh, you know anyway. But the trail literally walks across the top of the ridge of that mountain, and then it'll drop down, and then you'll come back the other way. Man, that is a cool trail to be able to walk. But uh, dealing with that and thinking through that process, this trip or this walk or journey to Emmaus, this is the first time that Jesus is seen in the Gospel of Luke, is in this particular passage that we have here. So the other Gospels will show and tell us that Jesus met the women outside the, uh, the tomb or in the garden on the Resurrection Sunday. But this is still the Resurrection Sunday in this particular passage of Scripture that we have. And you'll find this whenever we get into this and we we read this. But I I also, I'm one of these people that I will go to Facebook and I kind of glance at what people put on there. But those funny videos, how many of y'all watch those funny videos that they have on there? Those, man, I love those. There's all too often times in my day that I just need a laugh. And you go into this, and I remember, so I'm recalling this, okay, Christmas time, they had all these parents that bought trips to Disneyland for their kids. Remember, they opened up these things, and the kids are jumping up and shouting and screaming about, you know, they're going to Disneyland. Now, I don't know if they went to Disneyland that day or if they were planning it for in the future, but these kids were so excited about it. I remember one that they were going that afternoon. They were literally, they had their plane flights already scheduled for that afternoon as they gave the kids, uh, you know, this present. And then they show this dad walking through the airport with a child by the hood of the hat as he's sliding that child along the floor. Have y'all seen that one? 
Uh, you know, it's, it's that, isn't that kind of the way that we are? Sometimes we get all excited about this journey, but then whenever we're in the midst of the journey, we're like, oh, okay, I'm done. Uh, you know, and we just, you know, somebody's got to drag us along. Uh, you know, man, that was so cute. I could picture it. You know, it was one of those fluffy coats. It was pink, and it had the frill, you know, the fuzz that was around the hood. And Dad had that hood and just dragging her along the road. I like to die laughing. Y'all need to find those. And those are hilarious things. I actually find how to scare Peggy and Ashley from those videos. So it's a joy to be around my house. But we're talking about this journey. And I don't know about you, but whenever I was growing up, we had those weekend trips to Granny's house. Any of y'all, y'all remember those weekend trips to Granny's house? How many of you were excited to go on that trip? I was excited to go. How many of you were excited to come back home after that trip? Goodness, no. And all good things happen at Granny's house, right? And I don't want to come back home. I might get in trouble for one of the, I might get, actually get punished for one of those things I did at Granny's house that I wasn't supposed to. Uh, you know, like playing in the potato patch or, okay, I'm talking about journeys. I'm sorry. I you know, digressed a little bit there. But this is a journey. Peggy and I, we were part of a, a New Start church in Charlotte several years ago. This would have to be back in at least the 2009, 2008 era. And uh, we were there for 18 months as their youth pastor. And man, it was great. You know, it started off, we were in this hotel lobby and we met every Sunday in the hotel lobby for about two or three months. And then all of a sudden, we, we, we outgrew that, so the, we, we then moved to an uh, elementary school, <clears throat> and we were in the elementary school, and we were there for four or five months, maybe six months, and then we moved into a brand new high school in Charlotte. Now, the thing about this is, and what was so good about it was, is that we could tell that God was moving and really working, but what I'm talking to you about and what I want to bring out about was is that the name of the church. I, you know, one of these days, I want to pastor a church that's named this. No, I'm kidding, because hopefully this is the last church that I pastor at. But this church was named Faith Journey. Because our journey with Christ is all about faith. As we walk this life, or as we live this journey, and walk this life with Christ, it is all about our faith. And our faith continually growing in Christ and our knowledge of Him and what that all is. You know, so, faith journey. So, let's go on this journey with these two disciples as they travel to Emmaus. Now, one thing that I want you to kind of get is, you know, give you a little geographical. They're really not sure as far as how far Emmaus was from Jerusalem or even where Jerusalem or where Emmaus really was, the furthest away from Jerusalem that they say that Emmaus could have been was approximately 21 to 22 miles away from Jerusalem. There's other ones that most of them say that it's anywhere from five to seven miles away from Jerusalem. But the key about this is, is that Emmaus is to the west of Jerusalem and Galilee is to the north of Jerusalem. Okay, so keep that geography into your brain. Emmaus is to the east 
or the did I say the west? I said west. Okay, I, you know, see north south. I've got east west. I have trouble with. I have to think about football. Okay, in the east coast or the west coast offense. So west. Okay, so it was to the west of Jerusalem. Hopefully, I will get that right for the rest of the service if we get this. So that kind of gives you this picture as far as where they're headed to. And this Emmaus is supposed to be the home of one or two or both of these disciples. So they are traveling home after all of this that has happened. So there's where we are. They're in this trip and they're in this journey. So let's begin with verse 13. And I'll read this for you and we'll go down to 18 and then we'll talk about what happened there. It says, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were walking or they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their face. And then one of them, Calliopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that has happened these last few days. So let us stop there and look at this. So whenever we are seeing this, like I said, they are headed to Emmaus. They're going home. They were most probably ready for that home-cooked meal, right? How many of you love that home-cooked meal that you get whenever you go home? How many of you, whenever you go home, your mom fixes a special dish for you? Raise your hand. Give me that raise hand. Do you know what? Can you taste it now? Oh, man, I, I can taste it now. Peggy's littlest, youngest brother, every time he comes home, they have biscuits and gravy. Now, whenever I go there, I don't get biscuits and gravy. But for some reason, whenever he's there... We get biscuits and gravy, and they are delicious, biscuits and gravy. Man, I'm really hungry now. So they're headed there. It says that they are in a deep discussion. Remember, well, I don't know. Looking out here at the crowd, I don't know of any of you that had a discussion so intense that you wouldn't realize that someone else had just walked up next to you. Have any of y'all ever, have y'all had those before? Some people are, they're looking at me like, yeah, I've been there. Peggy and I, we have multiple, we have many discussions. And we were walking around the park out there by the, by the apartment. And we were in a intense discussion it was about church. It, it was not an argument. It was an intense discussion. And the next thing I know, there's somebody walking about two or three feet behind us, listening into our conversation. 
So what were we intently discussing that had us so preoccupied that we didn't recognize or realize our surroundings? Now, Crystal, our daughter, would have gotten on to us because she says that you must be vigilant about your surroundings whenever you're walking in the park. Yeah, I'm oblivious sometimes. But they were having an intense discussion. What were they discussing? What do you think they were discussing? Were they discussing the meal that they were going to get whenever they get home? Mom fixes the best pork chops. <laughs> Come on, guys. Y'all should be dying laughing with that one. They're Jewish. They don't eat pork. So they wouldn't have been having pork chops. Come on, man. I feel like a stand-up comedian there. That was hilarious. But what were they discussing so intently? What was that conversation? What were they discussing? Have you ever thought about that? What were they talking about that had them completely ignoring their surroundings? Well, Jesus asked them the question. They asked them, what are you talking about? Their comment was, is that, man, you must be the only person in this place. Have you been living under a rock? We've all say that, right? But have you been living underneath a rock? You mean to tell me that you are here right now where you are, and you haven't heard the commotion of all the things that's been going on? Well... We know that Jesus knew what was happening because it happened to him. But they didn't know that it was Jesus. The passage of Scripture is going to explain to us what they were talking about as we get into this. Verse 19, Jesus then asked, what things? Can you not hear this conversation? This is one of the coolest conversations in Scripture that I, can, that, that I recall. I, I really love this conversation. So here we are. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently? I mean, it was a deep conversation. And then they go in and they're like, man, you must have been living underneath a rock if you didn't know what was going on. You get the honesty of this conversation. Jesus kind of follows along and he goes, yeah, what things? How many times do you or, any you or, or, or have you had a conversation and then someone asks you, what's this all about? What has you in such of an uproar? Now, in our political state, that we have right now, if, if you don't really pay attention to the news, you can walk up to someone that's having a discussion, an intent discussion, and you not know anything about it. Jesus then goes in and he says, what things? But then we have the comment. So let's see the what things. That they were discussing. The things that happened to Jesus. The man from Nazareth. They said. He was a prophet. 
who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hopes he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So the what happened? So the, the what was their conversation as they were going or walking along on this journey? What was it? Well, they were talking about Jesus the, you know, from Nazareth and all that had happened to him. They say that he was a prophet that did mighty miracles. Not only was he a prophet, but he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. And then they go in and they say that our leading priest and religious leaders condemned him to death. And then they crucified him. But then they give you this key thing, and it says, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And then they say that it happened three days ago. So we, we get this, and through this, we see that these disciples in their discussion, didn't truly understand the impact of the empty tomb. So let's look at this, okay? Because they talk through this, and we, we know that the tomb has, is empty on the third day. They were supposed to be going to Galilee, but they're not going to Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. They're now going to the west to Emmaus, going for a home-cooked meal, going so that they could meet or so they could be with their mother. I, I know for me. This last week has had some stress and some difficulties. And one day I was sitting there and I was thinking, I'm like, you know, this is the exact same thing that I would call my dad and talk to him about. The struggles of today would be a conversation that I would have with my father. But my dad's no longer here. So could it be that we look into this and we see that their discussion in the things that they talk about as far as Jesus Christ and who they thought he was and what they thought he was going to accomplish had brought them to a point in time that they needed to go to where there was a familiar person that they would be able to open up their hearts and have this conversation with. Whether it be their mother or whether it be their father. Dad, I need to talk to you about this. 
can see this man that we've been following for three years. For three and a half years. The, the one, the, you know, Jesus Christ from Nazareth. The one that did these mighty miracles that we told you about. This one that, uh, you know, that healed people. This one that raised four people from the dead. Our religious leaders. The people that have been teaching us and been talking to us about the Messiah. They've condemned him to death. And he died on the cross. See, this one that all of our hope was in, that he was going to come and rescue Israel from their bondage and slavery and bring in peace into our life and into our world. And he was supposed to reign forever. He turned out not to be that one. They needed to have that conversation. They were possibly going to a place of comfort. A place where they felt that they would have other people that would understand their heartache. Now, back six, seven years ago, had a young couple that came to me and Wanted me to officiate their wedding. I'm like, that's great. I'd love to do that. But we have to go through counseling. Well, the problem with going through marriage counseling, that means that I had to read something. I'd never had, I'd never, you know, officiated a wedding before. Hadn't had to do, uh, you know, any wedding counseling. So I go out and I buy books. And one book that I bought, it was just really simple. It was only if I knew. Wow, what an eye-opener. Man, only if I would have known. It asked questions about my affection for my wife that I had never even thought about answering, you know, about it even asking, much less what the question, what the answer was. I didn't know what the question was. It talked about the struggles as far as how whenever you had this honeymoon stage. I know all of y'all have already had the honeymoon stage. You had the honeymoon stage that lasts every bit of about two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden the struggles happen. I've got another book now that I'm going to be doing some teaching and stuff out of. And it's called The Second Chance of Marriage or The Second Chance. And it talks about these things here about, you know, group A. And group A is this, you know, about the honeymoon and how great that is. Uh, you know, whenever you're in the honeymoon phase, you don't have to work at loving the person. You just simply love them. You're, you're just so giddy. You're like, oh, she said yes. <laughs> I can't believe she said yes. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and, and you're in this love moment, and it's like, man, this is so awesome. But then you get into part A, into group A or B. And once you get into group B, you have to work at actually loving the person. But what am I supposed to do to work at loving the person? I'm, I'm like, man, I thought this lovely bliss was going to last forever. I don't have the house with the white picket fence yet. What do you mean the honeymoon's over? We have these things. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm like, I never even thought about asking these questions. Much less, where's the answer? We find here that these disciples, Jesus Christ from Nazareth, 
They knew that he had raised and he, had all the, he did all those miracles. And it says in here that he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and everyone else. Do you get that? He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and everyone else. But then they said that we had hoped that he was the Messiah of Israel and that he would rescue us. It's good things to ask. That's good things to know. But the answer's not in Emmaus. Jesus shows up right there. Right there with them. As they're on this journey. Headed in the wrong direction. It's kind of like last week, right? The disciples standing behind locked doors. They were trapped in the darkness of their fear. Headed the wrong way. Because although in the gospel of Luke, Jesus hadn't appeared to anyone, the message that the angel gave them was that Jesus was alive. The tomb was empty. And Jesus was alive. So let's, let's continue reading on into this. I think I stopped there at 19, didn't I? No, I didn't either. I went all the way down to 21. Let's start off at 22. It says, Then some women from our group of followers were at the tomb early this morning. And they came back with amazing report. They said the body was missing, and they seen an angel who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman or the women had said. Hmm. That's just like us men. Not trusting the women. We had to go search it out for ourselves. It's not good enough that these women tell us that they had spoken to an angel. And the tomb was empty. And Jesus was alive. Peter and the disciple whom God loved. Had to go and check it out for themselves. But this is two people. That has had the testimony. Of the women of the group. And of Peter and the other disciple, that the tomb was empty. Now, I also want you to get this, because this isn't just men. Because men and the women, we catch part of the instructions. The other, the other gospels tells us the message that the angel gave them was that Jesus Christ was alive. And that the disciples were supposed to go to Galilee and meet Jesus in Galilee. It's not here in Luke. But we know it was part of the message that was given to them. Now, they heard that Jesus was alive. But they didn't truly understand the empty tomb. Hmm. 
empty tomb. Jesus is alive. Go to Galilee. Okay. Tomb's empty. I'm going home. You see, where did the rest of it drop off at? Where did they miss the rest of it? The rest of the message? A lot of times, the rest of the message drops off because we just don't want to hear it. The rest of the message drops off because, man, that can't happen. There's no way. I, you know, I witnessed him taking his last breath on the cross. There's no way that he can be alive. Wait a minute. You lived with him for three years. And in those three years, he brought four people back from the death. Why would you not think that if he brought four people back from the dead, that he couldn't bring himself back? Some things are just too true to be, or too good to be true. Something like that. But they... they, Dropped off those parts that were difficult. Here's another reason why I really like this conversation. Listen to the honesty of this. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. It's, it's, like, it's like Jesus heard their response as this is about Jesus from Nazareth, the one that did mighty works and miracles, the one that was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and everyone else, and they had hoped that he was the Messiah of Israel. He had listened to him say this, and it's kind of like, well, then why aren't you going where the angel told you to go? Why are you not going to Galilee where I'm supposed to meet you? And he says, you foolish people. How many times do you think he looks at us? He says, wow. You foolish and nearsighted people. I put in nearsighted for you so it would just kind of be not so rough. We, we see the things there. We, we have the right answers, but we keep going to the wrong place for the answers to the questions. And if we do go to Him with the, with the questions, we ignore the answers. Because He tells us the question that we just asked. He doesn't want us to do that. But we do it anyway. The direction and the path that we just asked him. We're like, God, do you want me to have that job? Do you really want me? If you want me to have that job, and he says, no, I don't want you to have that job. And we're like, oh, I'm going to do whatever I can. I got I, I to gotta have that job. We're going to do anything and everything we can to get that job. Although he just told us no. said, foolish people, 
you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scripture. Wasn't it clear or clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering his glory? See, for us, I I say for us, because as today in Christianity or, or in being a Christian in today, we are not required to study the Word as much as they studied the Word in, the, in this time. So whenever Jesus talks about this and He says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before He entered His glory? The disciples would know what He was talking about. They would know what Jesus was saying. Verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scripture, the th- in, from all the scripture, the things concerning himself. So I want you to see this. See, Jesus explained to them all of this. Jesus took them to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where it talks about the promise of the offsprings to Abraham. The beginning of the covenant of God with the Israelites that your offsprings would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as many as the sands on the seashore. He took them to Isaiah chapter 53, where he talked about the suffering servant. He took them to Isaiah 61 where he talked about the deliverer, the one that would come and deliver Israel. He took them to Zechariah 12, 10 where it talked about his body having to be pierced for our transgressions. He took them to Malachi 3, 1 where it talked about the covenant and it talked about the messenger that would come and profess the new covenant of God. He took them through all of these and many, many more passages of Scripture and told them all of these things about himself. Doesn't the Scripture clearly make this statement? See, all the promises of a Messiah that's riddled throughout the Old Testament, Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. He had to do that before he turned and before his glory would be revealed. He had to do it. So why, some 2,000 years later, hundreds upon thousands of witnesses about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and about salvation and about what he has for us, Why after so many years do some people still refuse to see the evidence or the importance of the empty tomb? But not only the empty tomb, but that Jesus Christ is alive. 
Why do we refuse to see these things? Why do we refuse to receive the message from the one that it happened to? Showing who it was. The journey is almost over. Verse 28 says, By this time there were, they were near, nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us since it is getting late. So, we went, so he went home with them as they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. He revealed himself to them. Now there's importance with this in the breaking of the bread. And I'll use this and I'll, I'll try to quickly go through this with you. Just in case you don't understand this as far as friendships or relationships. Whenever a relationship begins, we allow that person to enter into our foyer of our hearts or our lives. And that's a place where we will allow pretty much anybody to come into. That's really not a special place. We allow them to come into that area, we shake their hands, we give them a hug, we smile, we talk to them, have nice conversations. If we want the relationship to move in a little bit different, we'll invite them into the living room that has the nice fluffy couch and we'll sit down with them and we'll have conversations. But the problem with the living room with the nice fluffy couch is, is that it's still out there in the world because the TV's in the living room, right? And you have all these little things that can distract you from the real thing as far as having a genuine relationship with that person. <laughs> I hope y'all get this. Because see, Jesus went and sat down at the table with them and broke bread. If there's anybody that you ever allow into your dining room and you break bread with them, man, that's... That's a relationship. That's a friendship. And Jesus is showing us and telling us today that, yes, the Messiah that you knew and the one that was living on this earth with you for three years, that you saw die on the cross and that is risen from the grave now, wants to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of you right here. He wants to sit down at your table and he wants to have a Close, intimate relationship with just you. With just you. But it doesn't end there. In verse 32. In 31, Jesus disappears. 32. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn? Within us as he talked with us on the road, explaining to us the scripture. 
Didn't it burn in your heart? See, the truth, the truth was presented to them. The truth was given to them, and it burned within their heart. But I want you to see this. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem where they found the other disciples. It was dark time. Dark time. Is that, a, is that such a time? It was night time. Because remember, Jesus was going to continue on because it was getting late and they wanted him to come in. But within the hour, they had packed everything back up and they had headed back to Jerusalem. Whenever it burns within our heart and we receive the truth of Jesus Christ, it burns in our hearts, but it moves us to action. It doesn't move us to action tomorrow, next week, next month. It moves us to action today. The truth in Jesus Christ moves in our hearts for us to do something today, not tomorrow. Within the hour, they said, I don't care if bandits come out at night. I don't care about the wild animals that's going to be roaming in the dark. I'm getting back to the other, to my brothers and sisters. I've got to tell them about Jesus Christ. I just saw him. It's not the testimony of others that he's alive. But I've seen him. And not only did I see him, but the truth of who he is burned within my heart. Ooh, burned within my heart. And it moves us to action. To surrender everything that we have. Can you imagine this? I started off talking to you about the girl that the dad was dragging along the floor because she didn't want to come back from the trip, right? Oh, you know, I just, I don't want to do that. But look at this here. They eagerly wanted to go back to Jerusalem. And why did they eagerly want to go back to Jerusalem? Because they were going to tell their brothers and sisters in Christ that Jesus Christ was alive. And not only alive, but he sat down at the table and he broke bread with me. Wanting an intimate relationship with each one of us. Man, can you imagine the excitement that was bubbling over? Man, they get in there. They do their secret knock to get into the door. They get into the door and the door's locked behind them. They're fixing to tell this story about Jesus Christ, about meeting Jesus Christ. And who shows up? Jesus shows up in the midst. burns within our heart the truth as Susan comes to play the truth of Jesus Christ burns in our hearts we've all heard it a lot of us have ignored it a lot of us have heard bits and pieces, but refuse to hear all of it. 
Because whenever we truly receive all of it, all of the truth, it moves us to action. Because the word of Jesus Christ is transforming. It transforms our lives to where they are never the same again. Never the same. This life is a journey. It's a journey to one of two places. It's a journey to eternity in hell or eternity with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in heaven. There's no offshoots. It's one way or the other. You've heard the truth this morning. Are you going to accept the truth this morning? Are you going to allow the truth to transform your lives? I ask that everyone would stand. The altar is open for you this morning. Today's message is one of those messages that if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as you are on this journey, the truth has been spoken to you. And it burns within your heart. Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? But this message this morning is also for those that have followed Jesus Christ for many years. But there's part of the truth. There's part of the story that we've ignored. Because it's difficult for us. Because it means that I have to relinquish something that I really like to do. Because it means that the path that he has before me might be a little bit difficult. Today, we receive that truth. And as it burns in your heart, see, it burns you to action, to moving. To allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life. To entirely sanctify you. To fill you holy from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. That moves us and brings us into obedience of God. With every head bowed every eye closed. If you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, this morning's that time, that opportunity. If you've accepted Him, but there's some things that you're not doing, you're not obeying all the things that He has for you to do. This morning, the Holy Spirit's calling you, moving you to action. The altar is open for you this morning. Will you come?
feel that there's someone here this morning that uh, Jesus is saying it's time for you to stop playing around. You've heard the truth. You know the truth. It burns within your heart. Today's the day to stop playing around and walk the steps and ask Christ the Holy Spirit to fill your life dear Heavenly Father I thank you God, I thank you for the words that was spoken this morning that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, as we go from this place, dear Lord, that these words will continue to resonate in our hearts, in our minds and soul. And God, that we would allow them to move us into action. In Jesus' name, amen. As your pastor, I want to close and I want to say these words. The truth of Jesus Christ has been given to you. If you did not respond today, your blood is not on my hands. I have given you the word. It's up to you on whether or not you're going to accept it. Let's bow our heads for the benediction. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. God, I thank you for each one that is here. God, I pray that your face would shine upon each one and that your blessings from heaven will be poured out upon us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.